What are you building, Star? I'm working on something big. Yeah, I can fly. A man with a dozen of these could rule the world. I'm not gonna let it happen. I want to protect the people I put in harm's way. On this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast, Lucas and I are going to take another trip into the MCU with producer Adam as we talk about 2008's Iron Man, and that starts right now. Okay, and welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm Russ, and with me always is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Good evening, Russ. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, for this week's episode, we kind of uh, assembled the Avengers of the Couch Potato podcast. Uh, Adam's back with us after a few weeks off. Adam, how are you, my friend? I'm all right. Uh, can't complain. Glad to be back, as are you, always. Are you sure? I was going to say, you, you didn't like say you that really with a lot of conviction. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just well, you know. bl- blink twice if you're in trouble. <laughs> Do you need help? <laughs> I'm being held by at gunpoint right now. No. I'm Jeez. I'm good. <laughs> All right, good deal. Good deal. Glad you're back. Lucas and I were able to hold the fort down for a few weeks. Yeah. So. I think I think you did a good job of it. Oh well thank you. I'm I'm glad that, you know, I could hold down the fort on my own show. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> glad you guys are doing okay. Um, well, this week uh, we decided to do Iron Man. Um, I know we kind of tossed around doing another com- comic book movie uh, from the Marvel Universe. Uh, I know one of you guys suggested like Doctor Strange. and uh, Could have been me. I don't know. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I threw this one out there because I think it's like it's kind of got uh, some interesting history. It kind of kicked off the biggest fr- movie franchise of all time. At least I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, uh, figured to uh, kick off the few talking points before we dug into the uh, the categories here. Um, when I was researching this, I didn't know the this movie was kind of a big risk for Marvel. I don't know if you guys were researching how that went down, but uh, yeah, didn't they sell off their properties to be able to afford to make this movie? Uh, well, they had to. Uh, they had to take out a loan. Uh, they had oh, declared shit. bankruptcy back in 2006, and they were licensing off their characters to basically stay afloat. That's why, like, Sony had Spider-Man. That's why Fox had the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who else is somewhere. But, uh, yeah, they were basically selling off film rights to stay afloat, and then they decided to, instead of making money that way they wanted to make their own movies so they had to get a loan to be able to do that and they basically put up as collateral the rights to pretty much their biggest characters they did uh iron man um see they did iron man captain america black panther and the avengers were some of the ones they had to put up as collateral so well i'm glad it worked out because i'm glad to see all those characters in their movies now Mm mm-hmm and then uh, also, uh, it was uh, also a risk because uh, Iron Man, I really wouldn't say is like 
the biggest or one of the biggest Marvel characters in their universe. I mean, I always considered him at, at least as a semi big comic book fan as a B plus guy. He's not on the level of Spider-Man or the Fantastic Four or the Hulk or anybody like that. And then, uh, of course, we know what happened with Robert Downey Jr. He was kind of a kind of a train wreck coming into this, too. He had drug and alcohol problems for uh, quite a long time to where he'd been kicked off movies. I think they still have to do this with him where he has to have some kind of insurance bond put up whenever he makes a movie just in case he happens to relapse. They don't lose money on it. <laughs> well, at this point, he makes about what 50 60 million dollars per film that he does so um well if you've seen some of the stuff he's put out lately he's probably not making that kind of money but <laughs> do little and uh but my big question is uh considering all that um how did this end up working like this movie was i think the third biggest movie of uh the year in 2008 it's just like a perfect storm, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, a amalgamation of all the different factors of uh, like Robert Downey Jr. being cast and Marvel being in the position that it's in, and uh, Disney poised to buy it. Like I think it was what, like what, uh, like a year later or something like that, or a couple of years later. Yeah, I think Disney bought uh, Marvel in two thousand and nine. So. Just that perfect storm of events, I think. Just um, I say, I'm not going as deep as you did. Uh, the thing that made this work is uh, John Favreau. Yeah. Everything he touches turns to fucking gold right now. He <laughs> he saved Marvel and made the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He essentially made Star Wars awesome again uh, with The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, what was the other one he did? Um, I can't think of it right he now. He also but... did the Jungle Book, the live action, and the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't watch either one of those. Jungle Book was okay. Lion King was just you know, yeah, it was like. Well, with Favreau though, that was like he's pretty much got the Midas touch now. But going into this though, he didn't. He really wasn't like that big of a a filmmaker, he had done Elf, which was kind of a big hit, but it wasn't like the Christmas classic it was now, but it, he had done, uh, what was that sci-fi movie? Zathura? Yes, Zathura. Yeah, and then he did uh, Made, the uh, second uh, teaming with him and Vince Vaughn, which uh, Zathura was, I think, pretty solid, if I remember it right. And Elf is obviously a Christmas classic, but uh, Made kind of sucks. Yeah, that's a real disappointing one. So I mean, I don't know if it's so much him, but I mean, like I think Adam saying, yeah, it was like kind of like the perfect storm. And honestly, I think they sought out to make a really good movie. That like, I know researching this, that was like the big thing that they wanted to do is they wanted to make a good movie. And I think yeah. them casting Robert Downey Jr. like even reading the Iron Man in the comic books, that's he looks a lot like Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you guys are the comic book guys here. I haven't read a comic book in my life. <laughs> Not a single I, I one? Doubt. I doubt. I don't, I don't think so. Not a single one. Yeah. I, I, don't, I really don't think I've ever read a comic book. All right. Well, he does, he, 
he is drawn like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he, he, he looks, looks a lot like him. But I, I also, I just think that, uh, I think it was a perfect storm of like, I think Favreau having something to do with it. I think uh, him and uh, Kevin Feige believing in Robert Downey Jr. enough to where like that was their guy. Uh, they marketed the movie really well. Uh, they also kind of got the jump on the other big comic book movie of the year, uh, The Dark Knight, which you can hear our mm. episode in our, our archives on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. Cheap plug. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a lot to do with and plus, I think, like, after the movie came out, like, the this, this cinematic universe thing kind of got kickstarted. I think that fans were kind of ready to see the Avengers. Yeah. So, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say I was, but I, don't even, I didn't even know what it was, but I was excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, th- I think primarily, like, Robert Downey Jr. is the real, real reason why this works. I mean, like, I just... I think there's not too many like performers that you see that like are so pitch perfect for a role. Like I personally, like with Iron Man, I might be spoiling this a little bit, but I don't know anybody that hasn't seen this yet, but if you haven't, here's a spoiler alert for you. I can't see like, they don't need to recast Iron Man 15, 20, 50 years down the road. Don't recast this part. Cause I don't think anybody's going to be as good as Robert Downey Jr. Was not at all. Nope. Not even close. Um, but, uh, this movie, I think too, changed the, uh, how movies are made now. Um, I don't know what you guys, uh, think, but do you guys think that Iron Man changed the, the movie industry as a whole? As a whole? Yeah, I think so. Um, especially when it comes to, uh, superhero movies though. I think that, um, like when you think of a superhero movie, uh, before Iron Man, um, you think of like Superman or Batman. And um, you don't think of those as uh, uh, big epic action movies. You, th- you think of them as comic book movies. And Iron Man kind of uh, turned the genre into more of an action kind of thing. Um, it's uh, There's a lot more explosions, a lot more fights. You, know? um, you don't get that in the 89 Batman or in Superman or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Lucas, yeah, I think. Sorry, go ahead. I was just asking what you thought about it. Um, I think it. I think it changed the way that people look at comic books and people that read comic books and people that watch comic book movies. I think it made it more mainstream. I thought. It, I think it made it more of like a cool thing. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like how video games have progressively become a thing that people can play and not be judged. It used to be such a a niche thing. And now, you know, if you haven't seen, in a, you know, Iron Man or the Avengers or any any of those movies along the way, then people are like, really? You haven't seen those? So mm-hmm. you're kind of almost judged now for not watching them. Whereas before, if you were watching comic book new movies, I felt like that was more of a niche thing. Yeah. I know. I remember Lucas used to bully people that hadn't seen the Marvel movies. Kind of <laughs> put them in a fucking arm bar. I, I remember and, you locking people in closets. That was your big thing. Psychological torture. I would uh I would flip the lights on and off for hours till they watched until they decided they wanted to watch it. All right, fine. I'll watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Um I don't know, like I think that now I think the success of Iron Man's a good thing and a bad thing. Like 
it's a good thing because you're starting to see all these like properties come to life. Uh, it's really it started uh, like the universe building, which I've, I've always thought is kind of cool. Where you start seeing like like everybody's trying to do it now. Like DC's tried to do it, which they've failed at so far. Which is strange considering, Miserably. yeah. Which considering they've got Batman and Superman, who are pretty much the two most iconic comic book characters in the medium. They just can't seem to get it right. Um, and what's weird is like they're so Wonder Woman, the original Wonder Woman, awesome movie. I thought Aquaman, while it was a little cheesy, was one of their better movies. But for some reason, like you have Batman Begins. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises that were awesome, but they never got put into the universe. Mm-hmm. And so, like, standalone, like, Batman movies and Superman movies are the worst ones when it comes to that universe, which is strange. Yeah. Um, and I know Warner's try to do it, too, with, like, their uh, movie monsters with, like, Kong and Godzilla, which those have, those have been okay. Then uh, I know Universal tried to do it with their uh, their movie monsters. They did the the Tom Cruise remake of the Mummy to set up like it's supposed to be the Mummy, the Invisible Man, the Wolf Man, and I think Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. But the Mummy was so bad they scrapped it. Yeah, that was awful movie. Yeah, so I mean, like everybody's tried to do it, but they haven't done it quite as well. But um, I think the downside of that too is I've started to notice that like studios don't put out original films anymore. Not nearly on the level that they used to even like 10 years ago because they've become so reliant on building these franchises now. And yeah. I, um, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I saw an interview on uh, hot ones with Matt Damon where they, he talked about that. Mm-hmm. They used to make so much revenue from like uh, digital or DVD sales. And now that everything's digital, they don't make as much money off of it. So it's like digital and streaming, they don't make as much money. So it used to be they would only have to, you know, put half their budget into the movie in the theater. And then they would, you know, make up the rest of it with DVD sales. Well, now if you flop, it's you're flopping in the theater and you ha- there's like no bailing you out. Right. Yeah. And like I think that, yeah, the, the comic book, especially Marvel, like they're almost... It's pretty much when Marvel puts out a movie, they're guaranteed to make like a shit ton of money opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think now that like studios see that, it's like they're not going to take the risk of putting out. Like uh, I just watched a couple nights ago. I watched The Martian with Matt Damon. Speaking of Matt Damon, which is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And when did that come out, I like what, like six or seven years ago, my time might be a little off, but. Like, I don't think now The Martian comes out in theaters. I think that's a – I mean, maybe with Matt Damon still attached and Ridley Scott, but I think the road would be a lot tougher. 2015. Yeah. 2015. Okay, six years ago. That's close. Um, but, yeah, I I think that now that with studios becoming so reliant on getting that big box office that I think it's starting to slowly kill the film industry because essentially they're just putting their money into comic book properties – or like these big budget franchises that have been around for decades. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of a drawback to it a little bit too. Which is why we're getting Matrix 4 and John Wick 4. Yep. That's why you see so many sequels and like, I don't know, like I love the comic book movies. Like me, fuck, we make it a tradition to go see the Marvel when they, 
they bring out a new one, but like I kind of, I still like seeing something that like I have no familiarity with going into it. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, something like that, I'm going to have to wait for it to come out on Netflix. Like last year, as an example, I know the slate was kind of, kind of shitty, but like my favorite movie of last year was Palm Springs, uh, the Andy Samberg comedy, which is kind of like a takeoff on Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. which played on Hulu. But I think that movie is going to be on Hulu, whether there's a pandemic or not. And that, which is sad because it's a great comedy that should have gotten a theatrical run, but it wouldn't have. Yeah. So I don't that's know. That's another thing. Good. Uh, is, uh, you don't see uh, quite the spread of uh, genre in the theater anymore either. Like, you don't see big blockbuster comedies anymore because of superheroes and franchises. Um, mm-hmm. Studios just don't want to take the risk on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, comedies aren't going to make money because people don't go see them anymore. You can watch a comedy at home. You don't need the theatrical experience for a comedy, which I think is... Yeah. Kind of BS because I mean, like I've been to, like I seen the uh, the forty year old virgin opening night, and I think part of the experience what made that movie so great was being in a packed movie theater with everybody laughing at the same stuff together. But yeah, so I uh, just real quick, Russ, I proposed this question to you when we like before the pandemic, because I was talking about movie streaming, and I asked you, I said, do you think this is going to kill off movie theaters? because they'll just start releasing it all at home, not knowing that the pandemic would kind of force their hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. But do you, I, I, the question still posed to you, do you still, do you think like, you know, post pandemic that movie theaters are going to be a thing of the past in five, 10 years? I don't think that's going to be the case. Cause I mean, there's still like, there's still plenty of movies that do come out that I think are much better being experienced on the biggest screen possible. Like, you know, like as an example, like uh, I think it's been no secret to you guys that I'm super excited for the new Top Gun movie. Mm-hmm. If it ever comes mm-hmm. out, that would be a movie that like, I don't think I, would be something you'd have to experience in a movie theater. And I, right. I just think it's going to be like going to see a movie at a movie theater. Now it's not like how it was, when I was growing up as a kid, like I could go see a movie three or four days a week and I could see something different. But now it's like there's four movies hogging up like 10 screens at a movie theater, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I just think, I personally think down the road that the theaters are going to be primarily just vehicles for like studios to put out their big, their big blockbusters. But I, I think it's going to eventually kill off the smaller indie movie. Yeah. And I, I and think that was be a streaming thing. Well, I mean, to me, that was abundantly clear when uh, Martin Scorsese, who I think is arguably one of the greatest five directors of all time, he comes out with a movie that he's directing that has Robert De Niro, who is pretty much notorious for working with Scorsese. It has Al Pacino, and it has Joe Pesci in it, and it ends up on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. that's. That's crazy. That even 10 years ago would have been a theatrical release that they probably would have been pumping out just in time for the Oscars, but it ends up on Netflix because studios didn't think it was going to be viable enough to make its money back. Yeah. And I, I think that's personally where the theaters are like 
theatrical releases are eventually going to end up is it's just going to be these vehicles for these big, huge blockbusters. And I think you're going to start seeing like the studios themselves start making fewer and fewer movies because they've got to sink so much money into like take Warner brothers as an example. I don't think Warner brothers is going to make 25 or 30 movies a year. They'll probably end up scaling it down to like 10 or 11 that they're just going to space out over a couple like one every couple of months to keep that big machine rolling. Yeah. That's what I think the theater, the theater model is going to go. It's just strange. Cause you know, we grew up, like you said, a bunch of different movies in the theater. You can see a, a different movie every day of the week. And now it's, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, so it's, you know, not, not everything is returned to normal yet. So, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's, it's strange. We went and seen Black Widow, you know, to go along with the MCU thing, and it wasn't sold out. It used to be if you didn't get your tickets that within five minutes. I remember when we were buying tickets for Endgame. If we didn't get our tickets within five minutes, the fucking theater was sold out. Well, the one showing did sell out. So. In, in defense of Black Widow, I think uh, Avengers Endgame was a culmination of a lot of things that is the finale of a lot of things whereas black widow is kind of like a standalone B plus character in that universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still surprised that like there's still as, as many seats available as there was, but the, I, I get what you're saying though. Usually like you're going to be watching a, a Marvel movie in a packed movie theater opening weekend. Right. And Disney plus has kind of killed that model a little bit. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things is like studios are pushing towards streaming because it's less of a risk on their part and they're more likely to make their money back uh, if they uh, don't distribute it to like however many theaters or however many screens. But the movies still do well in the theaters um, that do go to theaters because uh, one, they're um, part of a franchise or a sequel. And two, people want the experience of going to the movie mm-hmm. theater. So, of course, they're going to go see those movies. But I don't think that you see that with the indie movies. I, I think, like, the studios are going to want to reduce the risk. And not everybody's going to want to go out into a pandemic and go see an indie movie that they don't know anything about. Right. And I think that's going to be more the norm if we ever get out of this, is you're just going to see more and more of that now, like, the hot Oscar contender is going to be on Amazon prime. Yeah. Versus, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, new Scorsese movie is going to be, well, actually the new Scorsese movie, if I'm not mistaken, is not going to be a theatrical release. I think Apple's got the rights to that one. Yeah. And that's got DiCaprio (laughs) in it. Wow. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's tough sledding. So I, I think Iron Man and launching the MCU is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. So, um, well, you guys ready to like kind of cheer up a little bit and dig into the categories? That kind of took a turn towards being glum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right, yeah, that, that, that's my fault. <laughs> All right. I know. I noticed once Lucas started dimming his lights and he lit a candle. I was like, oh, this is taking a turn towards the worst. <laughs> started candle. pouring wax on himself. No, it started looking like them doll commercials to see on TV. I will remember. Sorry. 
All right. Well, the tale of the tape. Iron Man was released on May the 2nd, 2008. This stars Robert Downey Jr., Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow, Terrence Howard, and that's pretty much like the big cast. Uh, directed by John Favreau, Rotten Tomatoes score of 94% from critics and 91 from audiences. Uh, the box office for this was $585 million on a $140 million budget. And big shock, this is actually streaming on a streaming service. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, the last few movies Lucas and I have done, like they weren't on, well, they're all Paramount. Paramount House, Paramount Plus, and they don't put their big titles on there. It still blows my mind. Uh, Apparently, but this, we're big Paramount fans. Uh, this is streaming on Disney Plus, which, now that you mentioned Paramount Plus, this was actually released by Paramount. Because <laughs> Paramount had the, the original rights to the, well, they had the distribution rights for, I think it was Iron Man, Thor, the first Captain America. And did they put out Iron Man 2? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, Maybe. I know they had the first three. And then, yeah, the Avengers, I think, started, and Iron Man 2 had the Disney logo. So imagine all the different rides at Paramount's Kings Island in Ohio if they kept a hold of that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, like uh, the Vortex would have been like, like Captain America's shield or, you know, like Mjolnir or something. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cars like Mjolnir. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll go ahead and dive into the Detective William Somerset Research Corner. Uh, there was a lot to dig into this movie. Like, I pretty much spent all week, like, just reading about Iron Man. I didn't know there was that much information about this movie. Um, this movie had been in development for years before it finally made it to the big screen. Uh, Fox owned the rights to this in the 1990s, which, you know, like I was saying, that. Uh, Marvel was selling off all their character rights, so that was obviously where they were trying to make money to stay afloat. Uh, this ended up at New Line Cinema in 2000. Uh, mm. New Line even hired some writers and considered Nick Cassavetes to direct, but uh, New Line executive Bob Shea didn't believe in the character. He felt that a man flying around in a metal suit didn't make sense and that the movie would bomb, so... New Line let the film rights lapse, and then Marvel got them back. Mm, uh, I think they did okay. They had Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, New Line did okay for a while. Still blows my mind that they went, like, I don't think they're really a big studio anymore. Yeah, but, that's weird. But, uh, yeah, Bob Shea, bad call. Um, when the film rights were still with New Line, Tom Cruise was strongly considering playing Tony Stark. And Nicolas Cage also had some interest. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, man, that would have been so fucking awesome and awful. Oh, man. You know my love for Nick Cage. He's, he's like the worst good actor of, ever. Well, you know, at this time, too, he still was kind of a big box office name, so he could have easily gotten this made. Was this before or after he tried to do Superman? I don't uh, remember the timeline been, of that Superman movie. This would have been after, I think. Yeah, it would be an after. Well, this yeah. would have been in well, 2000. He was... he. Oh, so this was before. Because he was trying to do Superman Returns, wasn't he? Uh, something like that. I know he, there's a screen test of him in the suit. 
And I think the premise that he was supposed to fight like a gigantic spider. Well, he, he ended up being Superman, but as the voice in, was it that Teen Titans Go yeah, movie? Teen mm-hmm. Titans Go, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> Come on, Lucas. We can't cross the universes, okay? My bad. Come on. Let's keep it professional now. Hey, you're the one who brought up Superman. Well, I'm just saying. You're talking about you, how much you like Teen Titans Go. In, in Lucas's defense, they mention uh, the Marvel superheroes in that movie anyway. So, All right, fine. Fuck it. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess apparently uh, Kevin Feige and John Favreau fought very hard to get uh, Marvel to cast Robert Downey Jr., but their backup plan was Sam Rockwell, who played mm. Justin Hammer in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Still, I can't. Can't really no, see... I mean- can't see any of those guys. Um, the original villain was supposed to be uh, Iron Man's arch nemesis, the Mandarin, but they wanted to keep the film grounded in reality, so they made Obadiah Stane the primary villain instead. They wanted to wait till Marvel introduced more of the mystical uh, elements of their stories before they brought in the Mandarin. So that's why Obadiah was the villain. Which, can I say, this is one of the worst villains in any of the Marvel movies. Yeah. And it's not. it's not... Iron Monger's fault, I don't think, but I'll get I'll get into that later. But yeah. Uh, well, they if you thought he was the worst villain, uh, they managed to top that by making an even worse villain in Iron Man Two. But <laughs> I would argue that Iron Man Three has the worst villain out of the three movies. But you know, now you know what though, like I know this isn't a popular decision, but I actually really liked the twist they put in Iron Man 3 where the Mandarin was an actor. I actually really dug that. See, I, I like funny. I, I thought it was funny. I liked the villain in Iron Man 3, but they just did the Mandarin wrong in that movie. So I was kind of disappointed. Well, they didn't really do the Mandarin. <laughs> right. They didn't act That's what I, right. Um, aren't they supposed to be introducing the Mandarin? I had read at some point. Yeah. I read that he's going to be showing up at some point soon. Oh, are they going to lay the groundwork? What's the next Marvel movie coming out? Uh, The Ten Rings. Uh, Shang-Chi, is that what it's called? Okay, yeah. That's where I'd probably see at least a hint towards him. Um, Mm -hmm. The last thing I have is most of the dialogue in Iron Man was improvised since they were still trying to get the uh, script hammered out. So... Uh, Favreau said that the most of the cast kind of knew the beats of the scene, so they just let them have at it, see what they came up with. And I guess apparently Robert Downey Jr. was awesome at improv, but Gwyneth Paltrow struggled to keep up. Shocker. So, yeah. She's um, too busy steaming her vagina. <laughs> oh, yeah, she does have that goop stuff, at the, or whatever that. Oh, that's so fucking gross to call it goop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have that weird stone ball thing to improve muscles down in that region. (laughs) Uncomfortable three men talking about vaginas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just got real weird, gang. Um, Do you guys have any uh, research notes that you want to offer up before we go into the next category? I sure do. I have five interesting facts. Oh, at least I found it interesting. interesting. Even more interesting than goop? Oh, is that what it's is that what it's about? <laughs> There's nothing more interesting than goop at this point. 
Go ahead, um, Lucas. Paul Bettany recorded all of his Jarvis lines in two hours. Damn. I, so, I bet he made a shit ton of money, too. He did. He said he said he recorded them in two hours, made a bunch of money, and just sat back and just watched it blow up. He also didn't even know what he was recording for. He did it as a favor to John Favreau. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the production was met with about 30 different writers, um, and they all passed. Most of them felt uh, Iron Man was too obscure of a character, uh, as you kind of touched on there, Russ. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow only needed to travel 15 minutes to get to the studio. That's why she took the part, because uh, she could be at home with her kids at night. So that makes I found sense. that interesting. It's it's not necessarily the most interesting thing about this movie, but we all love our kids a lot, so we understand wanting to be closer uh, for work and stuff. Um, Rachel McAdams was John Favreau's first choice to play Pepper Potts, but she turned it down. Um, she does show up in the MCU and Doctor Strange later on, though. Um, hang on to that. I might be coming back to that point later on. All right, got it held. Um, Hold. And I read that. <laughs> Hold. <laughs> I read that uh, Hugh Jackman was offered the role of Tony Stark as well. R Hugh Jackman? Yeah, that's what I read. Yeah, because he had. Yeah, he'd been in uh, the X Men movies at this point. Yeah. So I found that kind of interesting. You know, Hugh Jackman and Robert Downey Jr. look like they could be like distantly related if Wolverine wasn't such an iconic comic book character at that point. I could maybe see that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's another character that they're going to have to recast, and it's just going to be so weird mm -hmm. to, I, when they finally come out with the X-Men in the MCU. Like... He killed that Wolverine character. Like it was, yeah. he did phenomenal. Yeah, that uh, the uh, those are probably the two, I guess, two comic book characters that have been like perfectly cast. Like I can't see mm -hmm. anybody else topping that. Well, no, three. Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool is pretty fucking cool too. Yeah, he's pretty perfectly cast. I think Chadwick Boseman is Black Panther. Yeah. Also. Okay. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman for sure too. Which I mean. I guess Marvel agrees with us because they're not bothering to recast that, which is a good call. Very good yeah, call. I Adam. agree. Adam, do you have anything you want to add to the research corner before we move on? Yeah, I got a, I got a few facts. Um, I don't know if they're interesting or not, but I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, uh, Rhodey's ringtone uh, is the Iron Man uh, theme from the 1960s cartoon. And when his phone rings in the movie, when he's in the in the room looking at Stark, flying around uh, the Middle East. Um, oh, that was pretty cool. Uh, the organization, uh, the Ten Rings, uh, is actually a reference to the Mandarin, uh, which we will be seeing coming up in some uh, new movies here soon. Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. Um, the pilots of the jets in the scene that I mentioned earlier, uh, when they're chasing Iron Man uh, and trying to shoot at him, uh, the... Um, Code names are Whiplash 1 and Whiplash 2, which is a reference to the Iron Man villain that appears in Iron Man 2. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Russ's favorite. To uh, bounce off of that, uh, that little fact there, there's also a, uh, an Easter egg in the background um, when Iron Man's um, flying around. 
the alien dragon uh, Fing Fang Foom is on a billboard in the background. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And so uh, that that was a couple of Easter eggs there to Iron Man villains that didn't appear in the movie, but they still were in there. Um, I I also saw I didn't see this, but I read that um, Captain America's shield is in the background in one of the scenes. Yeah. Yep, they like to put their little Easter eggs in there even before they were owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. And uh, my last uh, my last fact that I had was uh, uh, the fact that uh, Tony Stark discovers that Obadiah is selling all these weapons uh, to enemies of the United States is a direct um, uh, like callback to a real life event where um, uh, I'm not going to get political here, but um, a certain administration was selling um, arms to uh, people that were against communists. And some of those people were mercenaries and uh, people that didn't like the United States either. And uh, some of the weapons that the United States sold were sold to the Mujahideen, which are now known as the Taliban. And so uh, that event in Iron Man was actually directly referencing that. Wow. I think so far this is going to be on record as our probably our most depressing episode. <laughs> we talked about the movie theater industry dying, and now we're bringing up terrorism. You know, I was just sitting here thinking this episode's pretty you great. That, but see, that's one of the reasons why this movie's so great is because they wanted to make it realistic, and at the time, I mean, the war on terror was, you know, like one of the biggest still things. Front and center, is, yeah. I mean, it's it's still one of the biggest things, and like it's. I guess it's relatable to people, yeah. so it makes it more grounded in reality. That's a very good point. Although, whenever I see like uh, when uh, they made the big reveal that Obadiah was the bad guy, though, I just I don't know. I just expect him like, uh, "Hey, man, there's a beverage here." <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, the arc reactor really tied the room together, man. <laughs> all right uh now <laughs> all right we're gonna head into the i drink your milkshake award for the best scene of the movie i drink your milkshake i drink it up um i've got my five so uh see what you guys got um i have the jericho missile presentation just think it's kind of a cool scene it's I think actually it's probably one of the more iconic scenes of the movie. Him like raising his arms up when the missile detonates. Plus, it kind of trailer. Yeah, it was in the trailer. Okay. Um, plus, it kind of shows you uh, how Tony Stark is prior to becoming Iron Man. Just kind of a self-absorbed asshole. He's all about making it about him. He's got to be front and center, even though he's selling stuff. He's still kind of like the showman. Um, I had the escape from the cave. Uh, you get to see pretty much how smart Tony Stark is. He's able to, as Obadiah says, he's able to make this in a cave with a box <laughs> of scraps. Ooh, it takes a mountain. Murders. Oh um, uh, the only thing that sucks about that scene is uh, we have to lose Jensen, who is a f- great, great character. Yeah. And uh, we'll get more into Jensen here in a bit. Um, I have the the Mark II flight sequence. I just thought it was really cool. I kind of like the score, the musical numbers being played during that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, I have when uh, he puts on the Mark III. It, it, it becomes the Mark III when he puts the paint on it, right? I don't yeah. want to piss our comic book fans off by fucking this up. Uh, well, actually, uh, I don't fucking know. It's like, uh, <laughs> Russ, you son of a bitch. It is not... <laughs> You are uh, ruining all of Iron Man for me. I'm just not going to listen to this episode any further. But uh, we're just going to call it Mark Three for uh, discussion purposes. Send your hate mail my way. I can take it. Um, it's when he goes to <laughs> Afghanistan and he saves that village. I always yeah. like, uh, Lucas and I always like it when uh, dudes like walk away from an explosion without blinking or flinching at all. And he does that after he blows up that tank. And he does it with like the tiniest little missile too that makes yeah it better. yeah it just it's like it looked like a nerf gun bullet coming out of his his arm and then it just blows up that and then uh we get the dog fight with the f-22s and he kind of confesses to roadie that he's iron man yeah and then um spoiler alert if anybody hasn't seen this but the post credit scene where uh samuel jackson as nick fury shows up and kind of sets the wheels in motion for the avengers So those are my five. Yeah, yeah, that is a cool scene. Those are my five. Uh, Adam, what do you have? So um, I, uh, it was hard to pick. Uh, I mean, I, I, lo- I looked at your notes before we did this because, you know, I was trying to prepare. Uh, and it was really hard to pick scenes that were different from yours. So uh, I only have one to add to it. Okay. Uh, just because I thought it was a, a cool scene. And it kind of ties in with the, uh, the first flight scene too. But... Um, I like all of the garage test sequences. Yeah, those are really cool. And I almost put those like tied those into the Mark the Mark II flight scene. Yeah, leading up to it, just, just like all of the scenes. It's really great comedy, and it's it's really cool because you get to see how like how smart uh, Tony Stark is with all of his uh, all of his technology and stuff, and how like he doesn't care like all of his stuff in his garage is getting destroyed. He's like, yeah, no, he's Tony Stark. He's going to be able to afford all the, all new stuff. Now, something that I learned is I, I thought he called like the extinguisher. I thought he called it dummy, just like calling it dummy, but that's actually the machine's name is D-U-M dash E. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> Plus, I mean, the the robot comes to save the day uh, when he gets his uh, his arc reactor taken out of his chest. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it builds up that robot as a character. So that is a good scene. Is that all you had? Yeah, that's all I had. Lucas, what do you have? So I had three of the same that you had, Russ. The uh, the Jericho, the um, cave scene, which I really called it the first Iron Man suit. In the after, um, it's the Mark One, Lucas. Get your shit straight. Oh my god! I didn't know you were bringing fucking amateur hour to the show today. (laughs) What what is this? Just fucking amateur hour? Just worst podcast ever. Fucking bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go ahead. I I like uh, the beginning when they're in the Hummer when it gets attacked, because I think that sets up like shows you. You, you know, you talked about how big of a cocky asshole he was with the Jericho. Mm-hmm. You also get a, a good taste of that at the beginning, too. When yeah. He's in there with the troops. He's in the fun V, not the humdrum V. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, I thought about putting that scene in there, too, but I just don't think it really lasts very long. No, it is really short. And, and like, the funny thing about 
about that, like the thing that got incorrect is if the U.S. military gets attacked, they're not supposed to stop. <laughs> like they're they're ordered to keep going. Mm-hmm. That's just a little tidbit that doesn't really matter. But I'll know that matters. I would have never thought that watching this. Um, and then the the part where um, Stain steals the uh, the arc from Tony's chest. I thought that was really well acted when they were, you know, face to face. I thought, you know, those two actors together was a really good scene. Hey, man, the Golden Goose lays one last golden egg. (laughs) I thought that was like the only real scene where you. That and when uh, Potts comes and uh, steals the files from the computer. Mm -hmm. Those were like the only two scenes where I felt like he was a really good bad guy. I don't think that at all in this movie. I'm sorry. I like Jeff Bridges, but he... I was I was gonna say tread lightly. I fucking love Jeff Bridges. No, Jeff Bridges is great. I love him in everything, but this is the one thing that I just I'm sorry. I don't like him, man. It's just so dry. And... Well, I wasn't saying that he was good. Like, all right, like, right, right. I was saying he was a bad. Wasn't a good bad guy. I'm just saying, like, if he if he had the potential to actually be a good bad guy in this movie those two scenes to me were the only two where it yeah. seemed like, well, I yeah. think Marvel's always had trouble writing good villains anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few that are good. Except but. for Thanos. Thanos, Thanos and Loki. Um, mm. I think, uh, the Spider-Man universe has gotten their villains. Really? They're really Mysterio well done. Really, Mysterio was really uh, well done. I think. Yeah, well, even yeah, Mysterio and the Vulture, I think, are both really good. But outside of them, Doc Ock. Well, he's not in the MCU though. Not yet. Not yet. Is he? Isn't he though? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I hope we didn't spoil anything, but I mean, fuck it, people got the internet. Uh, so, what wins is the best scene of the movie? Um, I think it's the after credit scene with Nick Fury setting up the rest of the MCU. Now, see, I would say that uh, if I were watching the movie for the first time and, like, that feeling of, oh, my God, they're going to do the Avengers, I would agree with that. I don't know if that scene holds up over time, though, so I don't know. Because, I mean, you know, we, we have the Avengers now. <laughs> um, I know for me, I would probably, I'd say, yeah, this one's going to, like, the, the post credit scene wins, but... Uh, I'm going to like kind of go back to how I felt when I first seen this movie, not knowing that that was a part of that. Um, when he puts on the the yellow and or the gold and red suit for the first time, yeah, like that was probably my favorite sequence in the movie, leading up before you know the post credit sequence. So I mean, yeah. my favorite scene still like if I catch that on TV, I'll at least sit and watch that scene. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say the post credit scene wins just because it sets up a billion dollar franchise. True. Plus, I mean, anytime you get a little Samuel Jackson, I mean, it's, that's never a bad thing. Hold on to your butts. I would just wish he would have dropped one F-bomb. Just one. Well, he tried, but he got disintegrated. That's true. He got, uh, he got blipped. He got snapped. Almost got stomped in, uh, or no, he did get stomped in King Kong, and <laughs> King Kong <laughs> ended that pretty quickly. <laughs> All right, so we're in agreement that the post-credit scene wins. 
for best scene of the yeah. movie. All right. The King Kong ain't got shit on me award for best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Um, I personally think there's only two contenders that really have a shot at winning this award, but uh, I will give my uh, my other nominees. Um, I have uh, Jensen when he says, uh, so you're a man that has everything and nothing, which kind of echoes the point. I mean, he's got pretty much everything in the world, but he has nothing to show for it. Um, I love the, the cattiness of Pepper when, uh, was that Christine Everhart, the reporter, after her rendezvous with Tony Stark? And she says, uh, I do anything and everything Mr. Stark asks, including occasionally taking out the trash. Will that be all? I was like, fuck, it's so catty. I like it. <laughs> and then um, I also have uh, when James Rhodes sees the, uh, the mock of the war machine. And he says, next time, baby. I thought that was kind of cool, although it wasn't next time for Terrence Howard. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the two... The two contenders to win this award for me are uh, I'm here to talk up to you about the Avengers initiative from Nick Fury and then Tony Stark declaring he's Iron Man at the end. Yeah, I don't know how you guys feel, but I had those two. I had two of those as, as the best. I had two of those as the best as well, and I think they're the exact same as yours. Well, just for... Um, I'm going to go ahead with your five. Okay, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, for, uh, just for shits and gigs, let's just hear what else you guys had. Okay, so um, the other ones that I have um, are, yeah, I can fly. <laughs> I think that they're just the matter-of-factness that he said that with was really cool. <laughs> Plus, that scene is great. Um, and then, uh, of course, I have uh, Obadiah saying, Tony Stark was able to build this in the cave. What a box of scraps! <laughs> just <laughs> I don't like his acting in this movie but that that line gets me every time well uh, I will say that I will give Jeff Bridges this so I've noticed in a lot of his performances after the big Lebowski he seems to channel a little bit of that character in his performances especially mm -hmm. like in Tron Legacy he's essentially like the dude got locked into a video game <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I, I, that's the thing that irks me the most about that movie is just like, I can't get over that. But yeah, he, at least he doesn't, you know, you don't see John Goodman in any sequences. Like, fuck it, let's go bowling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, the last one that I had was uh, when he's trying to get out of the suit um, after he goes uh, and uh, blows up all the terrorists. And Pepper Potts walks in on him, and, and the robots are trying to take the suit off. And he's like, let's face it, this isn't the worst thing you've caught me trying to do. That's a good one, too. <laughs> Still makes me laugh when I hear it. Lucas, what do you got, man? Um, so I had uh, the two that you had uh, here talking to you about the Avenger Initiative and Iron Iron Man. Um, a lot of my lines were like kind of plays off of other characters, though. So... You know, his line was great, but you have to kind of give it context a little bit. Um, I thought it was really funny when Rhodey's like, oh, my God, you crazy son of a bitch. You owe me a plane. You know that, right? He said, well, yeah, well, technically he hit me. So mm -hmm. I thought that was funny. how he. <laughs> yeah. Um, then 
the speech he gave when the uh, the Jericho goes off. Um, I didn't put the whole speech in here, but I thought um, these three lines are pretty great. They say the best weapon is the one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once. Mm -hmm. That is good. Then, yeah. And then when the ship blows up behind him and that big uh, blast wave comes across him, you know, that iconic scene we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, when he was talking to Pepper and she says, I don't think you could tie your shoes without me. He said, I'd make it a week. She said, a week? Really? What's your, what's your social security number? He goes, uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. yeah he had a so lot of good, he had a lot of good lines in that movie. Like I even like the one where, uh, she called, uh, that report, uh, Christine calls him the, the, the Da Vinci of our times. And it's the whole merchant of death thing. I, I, I almost put that one in there too. And then, yeah, Adam, I almost had the, uh, this isn't the worst thing you've seen me do. I wanted to put that one in there so bad, but I didn't want to give like Tony Stark like all five of the nominations because he's pretty much, he does have the, the best lines in the movie. Um, but like, well, who wins? Um, I'm, and the only reason why I don't say I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative, which has become a meme <laughs> throughout the entire internet. Uh, the only reason I pick I am Iron Man is because of Avengers Endgame. It's the perfect way to, you know, start it, perfect way to end it. Now, yeah, remember spoilers. I didn't, I didn't spoil No, no I was just saying, like, I'm just putting that out there for anyone listening. Yeah. I mean, the movie I mean, made a billion dollars. Yeah. Most people have it seen it. came out a long-ass time ago, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I am Iron Man. For me, yeah, I, I'm the same. Like you summed it up perfectly. It's like kind of like the bookends of the first and the, like the last of the Tony Stark story arc is just that line. So, yeah, um, I read that he ad libbed that too, and they decided to keep it in there. Yeah, I also like it too because <clears throat> at the time, like superheroes that wore masks tried to conceal their identity and let, didn't let anybody know like who they were. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he put it out there on front street. Like, yeah, I'm Iron Man. That really fits the character too. I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. So yeah, I think that one has to win. Sorry, Sam, we can't give you two awards on this. Um, the Lou Brown, give him the heater award for the best role player in the movie. Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Uh, my nominees are Clark Gregg as Coulson. Mm -hmm. I nominated Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury. And Sean Taub as Jensen. Yeah. Uh, you guys got anybody you want to add? I don't have anybody I want to add. Um, the only reason... Um, I only had Jensen. Uh, and the only reason um, I didn't pick in, in the other two was because... They have bigger roles to play in, in the movies following this one. Mm -hmm. And I think Jensen is, like, one of the biggest reasons why Tony Stark decided to start doing what he was doing in this movie. Like, he, like you can see the change in his face as Jensen dies in this movie. And I think that's, that's like, pretty much... That just pretty much sums it up for me. Mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's my pick. 
Lucas, who do you have? Uh, the only other one I have is John Favreau is happy. Um, now, mostly because of the character after this movie, which I know is you know kind of out of bounds, but I really like the way I really like the happy character beyond yeah. this movie. I like that. him in this movie, but I like him a lot more beyond it. Mm. Well, you've already discussed your admiration for uh, John Favreau. You've given him given him verbal BJs throughout this entire podcast, Lucas. So several, several, several. Give the let the man sleep. <laughs> uh, but Excuse who, me, Mister Favreau. Would you like a verbal BJ real quick? Well, all right, one more. Uh, so who wins? I, mean, I say Yensen. I think it has to be Yensen too. Cause I'll, sure, yeah, I'll agree with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, don't put up too much of a fight. I, I think it's what you said though. Like he doesn't become Iron Man without Yensen dying. And I think that like, his that character is integral to the rest of the movie. So I think he has to win. Yeah. As soon as he says, uh, "Like you saved my life, thank you," and he's like, "Don't waste it," and it's like you can see that change. Plus, watching it last night too, when he says, uh, when Tony says, "Come on, uh, you can still see your family," and he goes, "I'm," he basically tells him like, "I'm dying," and he tells him that his family's already dead, and he's going to see him in a minute. I'm like, "God damn, damn, fucking, yeah. you know where to hit it." Hit him right in the feels. Yep, got me right here. Oh, you got me right there, bro. <laughs> All right, Sean Tob, you are officially the winner of the Lou Brown Give Him the Heater Award for the best role player in this movie. So, congratulations if you're listening. I doubt it. But. We will send you a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer that you would recast. Um, I'm going to lead off here. Uh, I personally wouldn't have recast him, but I Marvel obviously felt differently as Terrence Howard got replaced by Don Cheadle to play James Rhodes. Uh, I guess it was apparently a dispute over salary is why Terrence Howard did not come back. Uh, they reduced his salary in order to increase the salary of Robert Downey Jr., which I guess it's a valid reason. However, this movie made a shit ton of money, so I don't think a couple extra million dollars was going to be that big of a difference. Giant um, dick move. Now, I do have a performer that I would recast. Um, I would recast Gwyneth Paltrow. I've never been a big fan of her. She's always kind of come off as being kind of uppity and privileged and I have a couple of actresses I would choose to replace her as Pepper. Uh, you said Rachel McAdams was the first choice. Like that's, I didn't know that. So I had Rachel McAdams down as who I would pick to play Pepper. Nice. And then um, I actually also have uh, Ellen Pompeo from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, yeah. I gotta look, I gotta look her up, but um. She's also an old school. She's Luke Wilson's love interest in that. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. Who she but I, I think that they both kind of have a, a warmth to them that I think would have played a little better. I don't know, like Gwyneth Paltrow just kind of seems just uppity, and I don't know. I, I just think she's very cold acting. I could be wrong. Maybe it's just my her read on her. Vagina steaming. Yeah, that, and I, I was expecting, watching this the other day, a, a product placement for her products. But that's who I would recast. Uh, do you, either one of you have anybody? I do. Um, I, I know, I know your disdain for Gwen Paltrow, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recast her cause I, 
honestly don't care for the character that much, so I don't care who plays her. <laughs> um, but uh, I, and I've said this throughout the podcast now, I'd recast Jeff Bridges. I love Jeff Bridges, but I think that uh, somebody else probably would have been better. And I'm going to inquire your help with this one because I could not come up with any actor. But I know that if somebody else did it, I would like it better. <laughs> um, I don't think it's so much Jeff Bridges as bad. I just think the character itself isn't written that great. Although, hey, you can give me Mark Strong. And oh, that, there you go. Yeah. Like, I think Mark Strong is, like, I think the standard, like, stock movie villain. I really like him. He yeah, seems I to play would, a pretty decent villain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. That. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I had yeah. to look him up. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's – like. I think it's just more a problem with, like, Marvel just doesn't write very good villain parts. So I, I don't – you could have put, you know, Sir Lawrence Olivier as Obadiah Stane, and it probably wouldn't have worked. So, but I also – if Lawrence Olivier is in this movie, like, hey, you're alive? <laughs> well, Didn't you die, like, acting, 30 years ago? The, the acting would been would have been less dry from a dead man, so <laughs> – Oof. I, I I also had Jeff Bridges. <laughs> really? Yeah. I had him written down, too. I just thought that he... I, I don't know. Like, I, he doesn't put off villainy vibes to me. No. Even even with the poor writing. You know, the when he steals the, the arc from Tony's chest, that's like the only... Like I said, that's like the only time I felt him as a villain. Right. To me, if he feels more like an angry drunk papa, like <laughs> that's that's him. Like, Grandpa's mad. You're in his money stash. <laughs> Better stop. I do. Shit. I do think the wrestler Triple H stole his look <laughs> from this movie because now Triple H has like a shaved head and a beard. I think he stole yeah. Jeff Bridges' look from this movie. He might have. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I maybe it's just the Jeff Bridges fanboy in me. Like, he's in my top ten favorite actors of all time, so he's I'm gonna be a little biased. Actor. I love him as an actor, but it's just no. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, I just chalk it up as being just the parts not written that well, and you can only do so much with what you got. Yeah. But it sounds like uh, I've been outvoted two to one, so we'll recast Jeff Bridges with Mark Strong. Or Sir Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> hey, Disney can do it with their technology. They brought back the Grand Moff Tarkin. That's true. Although they had, they brought in some guy that did it better. Did like, um, so I don't want to give any spoilers on this because I know one of us hasn't seen it, but there's um, on a Disney property, there's a facial reconstruction and they hired this guy to do it who did it better than what they did on the show yeah he actually did he he does all of his uh his own uh like deep fake technology he actually uh programmed it himself and yeah it's way better than what disney did when you guys were talking about that for a minute i thought you were talking like disney plus just put out like a tv show face off (laughs) that would have been cool that would have been cool um, all right, well, I guess we'll recast uh, Jeff Bridges in this. Um, 
unsolved mysteries of the movie. Um, I kind of had a question down here, but I think we kind of answered it earlier with our uh, the state of the movie theater, the, the movie industry discussion. I just had yeah. like, I wonder what the movie industry would have turned out to be if Iron Man had flopped. So we kind of went into that already. Do either one of you have a question about the movie you think went unresolved? No, I can't think of anything. Lucas? Nothing? No, I, no, I got nothing, man. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah. Sorry, we should have saved that for the, the unsolved mysteries of the movie talk. But hey, you know what? We're not professionals here. All we right. like to shoot the shit with each other. That's, That's why right. We're doing this. All right. The last award is the I'm the King of the World Award for the best performance of the movie or who wins the movie. Yeah, it's who wins the movie. I'm the King of the World. Um, I'll let you guys throw out your nominees first, and then we'll battle it out. Um, I have John Favreau, Kevin Feige, and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, three-way um, tie. John Favreau for, you know, like I said earlier, essentially making the Marvel Cinematic Universe by pushing so hard for this uh, movie to be made. Um. Robert Downey Jr. for making <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe possible with his acting in this movie. And then uh, Kevin Feige for, you know, believing in both of them. Yeah. So Kevin Feige actually created the Feige, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Feige. He created the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then, didn't he? he, if, he did, if he hired John Favreau. He did, but I, I'm pretty sure John Favreau took this idea to him, if I remember yeah. correctly. It wouldn't have been possible without John Favreau. And it also wouldn't have been possible without uh, Robert Downey Jr., because if Iron Man didn't work, then we wouldn't have any of it. Mm -hmm. So is that your nominee, so those... Downey? Or... Uh, I'm going to go with Favreau. Adam, who do you have? Um, I actually had uh, the exact same lineup as Lucas. Um but I would uh, I would nominate Robert Downey Jr. Um, just because, like we were talking before, this is like the perfect storm of events that make this movie work. And he was a big risk uh, going in, you mm -hmm. know, just because of his uh, his past. And I think that he pulled it off. And it like he is Iron Man. He's mm -hmm. Tony Stark. And he fits the character so well just because of what he had to fight and also what Iron Man had to fight in the comics. It's mm -hmm. the, the exact same the exact same story, and I think that perfect storm of events lends itself to the MCU as a whole. If um, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't Iron Man, we wouldn't have any of it. So, Well, plus, like, whenever we, like you were talking about with Doolittle... Whenever we see him in anything else, it's kind of hard to imagine as other characters now. Yeah. Well, he had Sherlock Holmes too. That's been a pretty successful franchise, but. But see that Sherlock Holmes is uh, just British Iron Man without the suit. He's super smart, and he's <laughs> really arrogant and narcissistic. So there you go. You know, actually, <laughs> I never really thought about it like that till just after you said, it. "I was like, yeah, it kind of, it kind of does." It maybe why those movies are so popular. Um, 
I was going to nominate Robert Downey Jr. up until the Eric Stoltz Award where you guys just completely shit on Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's got to be Robert Downey Jr. too. Uh, just the fact that Marvel took a chance on him. and I mean, he basically it paid off in a big way. He's pretty much the heart and soul of that franchise. Like, really, I mean... He wasn't my favorite character in that, but like I can't see that universe working without him. I mean, he he plays different roles. Like he kind of he plays the mentor to Spider-Man later on. Yeah, and he I mean he delivers the most. I think the most emotional moment of the whole MCU. You know, at the end of Endgame. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we all went there night one. I don't think there was a single dude in there that wasn't fucking crying i know i was i'm not afraid to admit it yeah my allergies got a little aggravated a little dusty in there that scene (laughs) but uh yeah i mean like we talked about like some of the people that were up for the role of iron man and i also seen i forget who it was but there's a couple actors that marvel had uh in the like the back burner too but like the fact that None of us can see anybody but Robert Downey Jr. playing this character. I mean, that's pretty much like that seals the deal right there. Because I mean, most movies you see like, okay, I can maybe see somebody else playing him, but no, like this movie does not work without him. And I talk about believability every week on the podcast. You know, you believe that Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Yeah, he is like. I don't. There's not too many actors that kind of have that lovable asshole quality to them, more than mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. And this is what Tony Stark is. And yeah, yep. like no one plays that better. Yeah. So yeah, I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to win this one. And Robert Downey Jr. might be one of the only actors that maybe, at least, glances at the award that we will send him in the mail. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, it's like okay, and then like sets it to the side. He'll, he'll like like he did in the uh, in the movie when he was playing craps. He's just like, oh, cool, an award, and then just yeah, that's how he's gonna treat the uh, the I'm King of the World award. Um, all right, well, Lucas, Adam, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap this up? Uh, I'm really glad that this movie came out and uh, you know made it something that you and Adam and I and Joey and Mark, you know, all of our friends and our girlfriends and wives for the most part go and watch with us. Um, it's, it's a great way for us to connect together. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we all went and seen black widow. We're all going to go see Shang Chi. We're all going to go see, uh, what is the, um, the Eternals is next. The Eternals. Yeah. I was trying to think, I kept, I kept trying to say the invisibles, but that's not it. Uh, (laughs) the Eternals. Um, but I, I, you know, without this movie, we don't have, that that special movie that we all want to go see and want to go hang out and go have dinner beforehand and stand in the lobby for you know 30 45 minutes discussing you know what we just watched and all that stuff so this movie was not only monumental for movies and superhero movies but it was monumental for our friendship too hmm. well goddamn lucas it's about the sweetest thing you've ever said to any of us <laughs> You know what? I don't have anything to add after that. That's I can't follow that. All right, yeah, I I have nothing else either. Outside of I know 2008 
arguably probably one of the best superhero movies years of all time. We had this in the Dark Knight. So, yep, that awesome was in one. Year. That was one summer. So, bringing the heat that summer. Yeah, I don't know what would be the the best year for comic book movies. I didn't really bother to look that up. I just thought about it a second ago. So, but yeah, we'll, I mean, Lucas. We'll, we'll think about it next time. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I can't top what Lucas said. So uh, we will catch you guys later. And that wraps up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Lucas, what do we got going on next Monday? We have an awesome movie that we both really like with an awesome cast and a great director, one of the best directors of all time. We're going to do The Departed. Ooh. I like it. I like it a lot. A lot. A lot. All right. So tune in next Monday for The Departed. So until then, we will catch you guys later. Deuces.